GainesvilleMedia.com. Video game makers believe that their products are starting to attract a whole new market. The voice of the gaming generation. The competition in this industry is so fierce, but we did manage to get a glimpse into the future. Real gaming opinions. The obvious question is, of course, how long will this smashing success last for video games? The last line of major gaming news. The GameZilla Podcast. Look, that comes one of the Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grim, and with me, Butter Boy, the butter stick himself, who loves orcas, kangaroos, hippos, and anything else that'll murder you. Welcome to episode 360. And, uh, that was a really accurate description, uh, and being this is episode 360, I want to subtitle this episode, The Red Ring of Death. In honor of the <laughs> shittiest video game system ever made, the Xbox 360. Whoa, whoa, the shittiest ever? Okay, ever is a stretch, but like <laughs> mainstream successful systems, the Xbox 360 was poorly made. Like Microsoft, that quality control was piss poor. Yeah, I mean they they even in the in the latest document uh, documentary that they made, they uh, they actually called themselves out on it. So. Good for them. Yeah, but they were still kind of like tongue in cheek about it. it, it yeah, like, well, because they still cheek. sold a hundred million of them almost. So, like, know. you know, like they can be tongue in cheek about it. <laughs> we worked at worst purchase at the the, the peak of the three sixty, and I'd have people come in there like, "This is my sixth one I've bought," and I'm like, "Why buy the PlayStation? Like, I don't understand why you're buying so many of these. Just buy the other product. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't get it. <laughs> well, because at the I time, the time other product, the other product was six hundred dollars, and also it had blinking yellow light failures. You remember those? Yeah, they were they were less common. They but were after you've bought six Xbox 360s, maybe you just maybe gaming's not for you. Anymore, I mean, six you know? Xbox 360s was like half the cost of one PS3. You're, you're right. They <laughs> they were pricey at first. They were insane at first. That's but why the 360. Blu-ray player. You yeah, Blu-ray player. yeah. But I had my my external HD DVD player on my 360 with the three movies. Yeah, with your copy of what do you have? King Kong. Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, and what's the third movie you have? 300, baby. <laughs> 300. Okay, that's pretty good. That's a nice collection. That's a nice collection on HD DVD. Yeah, the future. Um, <laughs> we got kids listening to this podcast that have no idea. We're no clue. About. We've lost them already. But They're like a what? An HD what? <laughs> Welcome to episode 360 of the Games Little Podcast, brought to you by our patrons. Yeah, thank you so much to all of our supporters, patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, and specifically thank you to our patrons who are enjoying our latest perk, which is the live stage in the GameZilla Media Discord, where you can hang out with us while we record the podcast live. We got our, our guy, our main man player, with Miggy in here, as well as Super Lars and Dork of the Ninjas. So guys, thanks for hanging out in our live stage, and uh, yeah, you, have, you can have access to the live stage as well. Where, uh, again, today in the live stage, we talked a lot about murderous animals, a topic <laughs> I'm very passionate about, and uh, we talked about the Teletubbies. So you're missing out a lot if you're not a patron. Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia is where you can go to contribute to the life success and growth of GameZilla Media and the GameZilla Podcast. So please consider starting your patronage today and start enjoying some of these perks. And the New Year's here, Grim and I are working on scheming up some new perks uh, again, we're going to try to have some more recording, some more fun stuff up there available for you. But the stage is where it's at. And we actually have a special live chat available 
in the GameZilla Media Discord for our patrons to chime in while we are recording this live. So uh, if you want to react and influence the podcast, this is the place to do it. So start your patronage today, patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. Yeah, and a huge shout out to our latest patron, uh, none other than Button Masher Caleb. He left Patreon because he stopped believing in us, but then I told him we were coming back, and he's back, baby. So welcome back, BMC, you traitor, but now you're back being a fan, and we love you. It's important to know this is 2022, uh, and yeah. I am, I've, been, I've been working on a campaign a little bit for a little bit of time here, a couple months, uh, to rebrand Button Masher Caleb. Uh, to big money, Caleb, because we know our guy throws around the cash oh, somewhere. So like big it. money, Caleb. Big, big money. money, Caleb. All right. All right. I like it a lot. Yep. All right. Anyways, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the episode. We just sat there for the first five minutes and talked about Red, Red uh, Ring of Death and Xbox and all that stuff. But we're not going to talk about Xbox and Microsoft. We're going to focus on PlayStation and uh, CES 2022 is going on right now, so we've been getting all sorts of cool tech dropped on us, from TVs to glasses you can wear that project a 140-inch screen virtually in your eyeballs. You know, I'm sure that's not going to cause problems. But anyways, my favorite thing that's been announced isn't anything to do with the show that we're talking about today, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. I love Android Auto in my car, and I'm tired of having to hook my phone up to my car, and now they're coming out with a wireless dongle for 90 bucks. that's going to come out in just a couple months, and I'll be able to wirelessly have Android Auto in my car finally. So there you go. That's that's the winner for me. <laughs> yeah, that um, that sounds like a very practical thing that's worth you purchasing. Yeah. I mean, they're building it into the new cars, but I don't have a new car, so I want it. I want it now. And uh, with why, that, <laughs> why, keep, why keep your old car like a loser? Buy a new car. Man, that's true. You got a point. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation that we should have had today because I'm actually actively looking. I have I actually have this a game plan that I, I was talking to my wife about uh, minutes before we jumped uh, into into the stage here uh, in the discord. So um, next I'll, week's pre-show, we help Grim buy a car. Man. Yeah, exactly. There we go. I was talking to Super Lars about it too, and he's in the chat saying, I'm not your wife. You're right. I was talking to multiple people about it, you know? So, anyways. Will be his wife with that attitude. That's right. Anyways. (laughs) Um, shout out to Dork for being being an asshole too. He resigned and then signed back up as well. So, you know, anybody that that signed that that stopped doing Patreon and then signed back up, we love you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna call anyone an asshole. I, I call Dork an ass just because, you know, we got that friendship. But anyways, guys, we do have a show for you today. We are going to focus on some CES 2020 news, and we're going to start with the Sony PlayStation VR 2. The PS VR 2. The official name, according to Sony. I can't believe it's real. It's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> so... um. Sony Sony's next virtual reality headset is about to exist in non-virtual reality. Last uh, last night at CES 2022, Sony formally announced PlayStation VR 2 uh, in a brief segment that offered no info about pricing, availability, or release date. But we did learn about some specs, um, and 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 there was some what do I want to call it like. Um, Hype words, some some PlayStation PlayStation lingo that was thrown out there uh, that have people, you know, obviously talking about it some more. And 
it's very interesting. Okay, so we're in this VR world. We're, we're coming out of Christmas where the Oculus 2 was one of the hottest gifts, period. It was one of the one of the biggest gifts, period. Uh, Apple already released that the most downloaded application during the holiday break was the Oculus app um, through their store. So, I mean, like, there there is a boom happening right now in VR. And one reason is because Meta, which I hate that I'm actually calling them that, uh, who, who own Oculus, a.k.a. Facebook, guys, okay? It's still Facebook. Um, they, they have a device that is really good and pretty affordable. And that's what, uh, you know, that's where I really see how VR is starting to gain some popularity into outside of it's like, you know, we've always talked about VR is cool, but it's a high cost to get into. The games are limited. Like as far as top tier games, you fall off top tier real quick and you start to get into some really weird stuff really quick. But now it seems like with the Quest series and a $300, you know, entry, entry into it, people seem to be more accepting about it. So let's fast forward into PSVR 2 and talk about the tech and why I'm a little concerned about this device because it seems like it's going to be really expensive. <laughs> um, it, no doubt it's going to be an impressive piece of tech. Uh, some of the, 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 the key pieces that I heard were panel refresh rates, uh, frame rate up to 120 hertz, OLED screen displays that can put up 4K resolution, specifically 2000 by 2040 per eye. Uh, it'll feature a field of view approximately 110 degrees. And um, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it sound, they mentioned eye, eye tracking technology, another way to have in, uh, an input that's not a button. You'll actually be able to cause things to happen by just the system reading your eye movements. So, there's a lot of cool uh, concepts with with eye tracking because of accessibility to games, and but on the same time, even just standardized gaming, you can do more with eye tracking. So, yeah, I, I was hearing uh, the idea is for rendering power that if the if they're tracking your eyes, they can render what's actually in focus and what you're looking at sh more sharply while leaving the things that would be in your peripherals more out of focus um, to more adequately use the power and ability that the uh, capabilities that the system has, yep. which is actually a really crazy, interesting idea. And it still plays into, I feel like what they were showing off initially a lot with the early tech demos for the PlayStation five, the real time rendering, um, and, and and seeing the high res visuals of just just what was immediately in your in your view without rendering the entire world because it could render things so quickly. So uh, if they could do that in VR, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's going to help for sure. And they, uh, you know, the the idea of that technology and everything that I just rambled off here is not necessarily groundbreaking within VR. Uh, you you know, there are already talks about 8K headsets and stuff that are going to be coming to PC eventually. But like this, this, uh, these specs as of right now, when we don't officially know when this thing is going to kick off yet. But as of right now, you look at them and you go, wow, this is pretty elite. It's not, it's not how we felt necessarily about psvr the original where the specs were kind of already behind 
This is this is like, hey, we're gonna they're releasing this product, and it is state of the art is pretty much where I would put it, um, which also has me concerned of, well, what does what does price point mean when I say state of the art? Because you know, are you still gonna be able to sell this for two ninety nine? You know, like Quest, or because because these specs are better, because it has more tech in it, because of all this, is this a five hundred dollar or more uh, product? Yeah, there's. There's no way it's 300 bucks. Like I, I just can't imagine w with what they're showing off the capabilities of this. It is going to have new controllers that are a little bit more in line with Oculus controllers. So it's not using the old PlayStation move controllers. Um, they're calling them the sense the yeah. controllers <laughs> called sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, these do seem when you, they, they do seem they sound similar. I know, I know the, the photo was released and they actually look similar to an extent, um, t as the, as the Oculus with the weird rings that your hands are, you know, basically living inside of. And then you have your, your joystick on each side and a couple buttons on each side. But on top of it, there, the haptic feedback, the, um, the, um, oh my God, my, my mind go blank, adaptive triggers, all that technology that's that you find in the dual sense controller on the PS5 is also being integrated into this which I do like from that standpoint of the technology that you put in your PS5 is also being shared within these unique controllers so from a developer standpoint it, yes it's different cuz it has motion uh you know more motion into it but at but a lot of it is still um similar at least for development purposes and that that's that's a good idea. You know, I like that idea. So, um, and then they also announced that the Sense controller does feature uh, finger touch detection, which the Oculus uh, controllers do as well. Which is really wild uh, to watch virtual hands move based off of your finger movement. Um, I, I I'm always fascinated by that when I have my my Oculus or my Quest Two on. But um, yeah, it's it sounds very cool. The controllers look pretty good, and the tech sounds top tier. I uh, I also believe it's supposed to have some sort of rumble feature built into the headset, or like a ha you know like uh, haptics or something. There's it's supposed to be a little little more immersive in that sense, and I think it's one of those things when you read it on paper, you're like, how, why, you know? And then I'm sure as soon as you experience it it increases the immersion. I'm, I'm sure it probably is a really nice feature, but that is also something that I, I think is being overlooked a little bit that I've been hearing about, but yeah, so it, it could be cool. How I look at it, so I have a headset from Razer that has haptic feedback in it, and I thought it was going to be a, a very gimmicky feature uh, until I used the headset and started playing a shooter where I was getting shot, and like it started to kind of tap my head from the direction that the bullets were, were coming from. And so, like, to me, I was like, wow, that's kind of like a tell for me, you know, like, even if even if the sound itself isn't giving me giving me enough information, like the fact that my right ear near the back of my head is tapping, you know, versus the front of my head, you know, type deal it, like that. It, it, I found it actually kind of cool. So that idea of being able to even take, um, you know, maybe more pre precision um, feedback like that and build it into the headset could be really cool. The other thing about the headset is they did officially announce that it's a single cord setup. Um, so if you, That's if, huge. yeah, if you ever played a PlayStation VR, um, 
there was a lot going on. <laughs> there was a lot going on with that. You had a little, you had a little box to stand next to it. You had cords coming every which way to the headset, to the system, to the wall. It was, it was just, it was a chore just to hook the thing up if you didn't leave it hooked up. Um, so yeah, a single cord setup will uh, will help with cable clutter. Um, 3D audio that enriches certain PS5 games uh, is built right into PlayStation VR 2. Uh, tracking enhancements with both motion tracking in relation to the controllers uh, and your headset and eyeball tracking. Like we said, in relation to your eyeballs, sure sounds like they'll be um, bringing the movement-based gaming to life possibly uh, where you're going to be able to kind of like, based off your looking, you'll actually be able to control, uh, like you were talking about loading and everything to save resources, but also like PSVR Two could, in theory, allow people to play games with just eye movement and blinking. Uh, you know, for people that maybe don't have use of their hands and 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 stuff like that. So, could be some really cool stuff there with that technology. Um, and then you were talking about headset feedback, which utilizes an intelligent tactile element to amplify the sensations, creating an incredibly deep feeling of immersion. Um, Basically, PSVR 2 will vibrate on your head. Um, and that's, uh, I, I don't know, they don't tell you a whole lot beyond that. But, um, you know, if it's anything like, like I said, if it's anything like the headset that I've been able to try before, it could be really cool, actually. Yeah, I, when the name of the game with VR is Immersion, right? So if they're giving you something that continues to draw you into the world more then it's a plus to me. My question with all this stuff always is how much more expensive does it make the, the headset? So if you left out the headset vibrating, would it save $50? Probably not. So I guess it's worth having in there, but if it's one of those things that it turns out, is when this thing comes out and it's seven hundred dollars or something, you'd be like, "Well, I guess I would have rather, you know, not had some of these features." You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it's a big concern because let's also bring in you know the the big issue here. You need a PS Five to use this, which is also an incredibly difficult item to find right now, and is also five hundred dollars. Now, not necessarily. You could get the the you know the digital version, which is even harder to find. Uh, and, and you could get that for maybe $400, but still let's just say 500. Cause that's the common one that you're going to find is your disc based PS five. Uh, and you know, then let's just say they somehow get this thing in at 500 bucks. You're a thousand dollars into this now, you know? Um, again, at a thousand dollars, I can go buy an Oculus quest two, given that the specs aren't as good. I understand there are, but it is still 120, frame rate on on certain things uh the the resolution is pretty good the um the controllers have the feedback they have the they have the fingers uh tracking you can actually control the oculus quest 2 without the controllers just your bare hands will actually work so and that came from a firmware about update. human hands yeah human hands that's what i mean cool. no no cool. control oh, okay. what did i say no bare hands bare hands yeah bare hands yeah human hands for sure just with your hands, you can actually sit there and control control your system. Um, so I mean, and that's at two ninety nine, entry level two ninety nine. So you know, for seven hundred dollars more, you can get the Sony experience. Um, 
that's you know, and, and again, this is all speculation. We don't have price point and all this stuff. If it, if 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 PlayStation VR two comes out at, at three hundred dollars, then I think we're we're in we're in business here. Uh, Super Lars just said it in in the chat. Um, PlayStation VR two is dead on arrival. If it's more than three hundred, it's hard enough to get a PS five right now. It really limits the audience. I really wish they had a model that they uh, used that used home Wi Fi network and had a battery and was wireless. I think issue with wireless playing with the PS5 is latency. Um, you know, I think I think there you know there's probably th- that that tech is still either very expensive to eliminate the latency, or you know, or you have latency. I mean, that's really it. So, but um, either way, um, the device. I think is not going to, I can't like, like Butterboy said, I can't imagine it comes out at $300. So my guess is, and, and so this is why I'm playing, playing this, this devil's advocate here. My guess is 500, your system is 500, you're a thousand dollars into this now. And so then the next thing I want to bring up is right out the gate, PlayStation did something that I was really happy with. And that was they announced they revealed a virtual reality spinoff for Guerrilla Games Horizon series. So Horizon, smart. yeah, it's, it's real smart, real smart, triple um, A, big game. You know, everyone's excited for Forbidden West. Everyone enjoyed her, uh, Horizon Zero, and so Horizon Call of the Wild is um, Call the Mountain, or sorry, uh, or yeah, they say they have Call the Call the Wild is what I, I just read off of this sheet here. Oops. It is called the mo- it, yeah. It, it is called the mountain, yeah. Um, and it's not a VR port of Horizon Zero Dawn, but rather its own game. So, um, yeah, basically, Aloy, who's set to star in next month's Horizon Forbidden West, isn't the protagonist, but will make an appearance, according to Gorilla. It's unclear at the what juncture or what you'll do in it, but whether it's on rails or not. Um, you know, hopefully it's it's more expansive, like a Half Life Alex. Um, but Sony did cite the bow and arrow feedback in discussing the Sense controller. It's a safe safe bet that you know we're gonna have some really cool motion controls with a bow and arrow and being able to shoot these big you know these big monstrous robotic dinosaurs and, and animals. Um, they showed a clip. It was it was real quick. You're you're kind of like riding you know in a convoy, and one of the big giraffe um, you know creatures comes walking by and almost steps on you, and then it ends. And like in my head, I'm like that in VR would be really cool, and but that was all they showed us. So, um, but still, it, it, right out the gates, you know, Sony kind of was showing that we're taking our AAA de- you know development company here in Gorilla, and we're having them build exclusive content for our VR headset. That's huge. That's a really important thing that I have always complained about um, as within VR, within the VR like industry, but also um, big time within PlayStation and them supporting, you know, their, their devices that, that work around their, their, their main unit. Right. So be it the PlayStation Vita, be it the PSVR, you know, be it whatever, I've always felt like the the lack of support for the, from the first party system, you know, uh, development teams have always hurt them 
since PSP. I think you know PSP is the, is is an example of them actually doing something very well, and then you follow it up with the PS Vita, which was really tough. PSVR struggled. Um, you know, those sales, though they were happy with the sales for the device, I think overall, like the, the software library struggled. So what do you think? Yeah. The, yeah, the thing is, so if you're gonna, if you're gonna bring out a device where the cost of entry is somewhere between 800 and $1,200, you know, between making sure you have a PlayStation five to play the game and then buying the probably $500 or more headset, you have to support it with exclusive experiences. Yeah. Because if I want to play Beat Saber, I can buy a $300 Oculus and enjoy it. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of VR titles that are playable and accessible at a much lower cost of entry. So if you if you if you're bringing out software that makes people go, oh, I want not only to buy a PlayStation 5, but I want to buy a VR headset for this experience, that's going to be a game changer. You, you, can't, you can't just ride on pushing out the same software that's available on less expensive VR platforms. You need to have your own titles that draw people into spending the money. Because even if I owned a PlayStation 5, if this headset comes out at $500, why wouldn't I buy the Oculus that, again, it's not going to be quite as premium in a lot of regards, but I'm going to have $200 to buy software and it's fully wireless, you know? So Well, that's and that's the thing. You, you bring up Beat Saber and being able to play it on a $300 headset, but you could play it on a $3 headset in your house, outside, at your, at your family, yeah. at your friends. Like, it's, you could take it anywhere without a single cord, you could play. You know, and and but at the same time, you can hook it up with a single cord, and you can gain the ability, you can gain the advantages of having a, a PC by you that has a great a good graphics card in it, and you can all of a sudden leverage that entire side of VR as well. So it's the best of both worlds when you when you're looking at what Oculus is doing with their with the Quest, and so I think um, I think that's a big yeah. You make a great point, and so when we look at Horizon Call of the Mountain, um, you know, a it has to be a, a big game. Like I don't want this. You know, I don't want the Batman Arkham twenty dollar you know sample game that I'm done with in two hours and be like, oh well, that was fun, but it wasn't a it wasn't a full game in my opinion. Um, but the other thing, and Dork brings it up too, is that both the PS Vita and the PlayStation VR had decent launch titles. They had, they did have that. You did see the support out the gate, where it was like, "Oh, cool, we're getting rigs," you know, by by a by a uh, Gorilla Games um, sister company or whatever, and you know, Chester or something. It was Gorilla in Europe. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and, and there were other, you know, I, I bring up rigs because I played a lot of rigs, but like there were other exclusives and, and first parties that were there that seemed cool, and like you know, PlayStation Vita. I remember right out the gate, you had you know everything from Little Deviants, which was like your Astrobot, you know, example of trying to show you all the technology within the device, and you had Uncharted, you know, a chapter of Uncharted that was exclusive to the Vita, you know, and things like that. That you know they were really trying to support the. The, the the product so you know though we're happy we see horizon called the mountain um we this isn't it isn't necessarily new to see that initial push what i want to see is the follow-ups you know the third quarter fourth quarter you know second third fourth quarter the you know the year after like what 
the all of the continuation support from these first parties and being able to build um you know build up a library for this product you know sure you're sure you can have you absolutely should have beat saber and everything else available because you know if i own one then there's a possibility that i will play you know i will play it because now i can play it in 4k you know, versus not 4K. So, like, there is that there is that push, but but you can't rely on that, like you're saying, because then, like, people's initial trigger to buy is is way down at that point, you know. And so that's um that's the concern about this product right now when you have a very expensive system that you have to buy. Then you have what's going to probably be a pretty expensive, you know, add-on here that you're going to have to buy. And... We don't even know when it's going to be easy to find a PS5. Yeah, the we don't know when this. Maybe the maybe the PSVR two is holiday twenty twenty two. You know, maybe we're almost a whole year out from this even being released. And yeah. again, we don't see any changes in the near future when it comes to supply chain issues and getting PlayStation fives into people's hands at a accessible rate you know they're yeah. they're gonna continue to be a commodity through 2022 but again they could still move several million more units but again that 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 doesn't bode well for the getting the psvr2 into a lot of homes well it's tough so, too because the semiconductor shortage the you know the forecast has been extended in, into 2023 as yeah. far as the shortage continuing you know, I know these companies have taken back and re like even even the PS5 has been redesigned already. Um, you know, trying to find ways to manufacture these more with less. You know, without without uh, sacrificing quality control. So, I mean, we're going to see a shortage in this still. The 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 PS5, you know, um, inventory is still going to be light. I think it gets better, but it's going to be light. And at the same time, then the question comes into play: is how hard is it going to be for them to make PSVR twos? I mean, everything electronic takes, you know, like semiconductors and 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 the materials to even build semiconductors and all this stuff is used in everything. So, so I mean, anything that's electronic has to deal somewhat with, with these. And so then you start to question, is there going to be a shortage not only on the PS5, but also on the, you know, the headsets? I don't know. I'm trying to pull it up here real quick. So as of a, so these numbers are a little skewed. It looks like as of a year ago, um, January of 2020, they'd moved about 5 million PSVR units. So I don't know what they would have moved in the last year, but that's not even 5% of the PlayStation 4s that are out there. You know what I mean? So the install base is, is still oh, relatively low, but maybe that's what, maybe is. they only planned on a 5% install base for the, for right. the PlayStation VR. But, I, mean, I don't know what projections and plans for this yeah, unit but, are, but I mean, that seems low to me. But think about this, okay? Think about it this way, too. PlayStation VR was timed differently. PlayStation VR came out when a time was you needed an $800 PC rig before you even bought a headset yeah. that was going to cost you probably $500. And 800 on the low end. 800 was the low end, exactly. It, was, it had the VR sticker on it, but let's be honest, you were, you were barely getting by. So, you know, realistically, $1,000 PC, $500 headset was like entry you're $1,500 into it. Okay. 
everybody had a PS4 at this point. There's so many PS4s at that point, and which was a $400 investment if you bought it, you know, at full price, and then you had to spend 400 on the headset. It was 800 bucks. You know, it's a it was a very different time in the world of VR where now the same company that made you have to have a PC and then you had to go buy their $5-$600 headset has a $299 headset that functions by itself and hooks up to your PC if you still have a nice PC to give you b- the best of both worlds. And so it's such a different and different, you know, situation going on here that Sony has to has to try to compete with and though they came out with really appealing specs, I worry that like, you know, you're going to like, yeah, you showed us one game and actually I take that back. You showed us 10 seconds of what you're calling a game. And though, and that's fine because we don't know when this headset's coming out. You know, I'm acting like the headset comes out next week. We don't even, it may not even come out this year, but you know, the idea is you're going to have to have a decent library ready to go to make people feel like the values there, because if you release a headset and you have a, and you have a digital store that's, you know, supporting like, I don't know, 15, 20 games, like, like we're used to on a normal, like launch of a, of a device, that's going to be really, really difficult for you to have success with. Well, we have seen this generation, both Sony and Xbox have sort of rolled out a whole new generation without having uh, killer apps without having big groundbreaking titles to get them through the, to be honest, the first year of life for both of these systems. So I'm sure Sony in their mindsets, like, yeah, we can keep riding the, the original PSVR library with a couple exclusive upgraded titles or up res titles that they'll charge you for. Um, I bet they're not super worried about expanding that library in the first year of the PSVR, but I think they should be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see, you know, I want to see them just leverage their first parties. Obviously they showed off Gorilla. Now I want to see Insomniac. I want to see these, you know, these big Santa Monica, you know, Naughty Dog. I want to see these companies all coming out with projects and, and space them out. Of course, you know, I'm not saying they all need to be there at launch, but like have them ready. You know, you gave us a teaser for a gorilla. So by the time that gorilla game comes out, we should have a teaser for something else, you know, to start just to be like, oh, I'm planning for that, you know, later on. And in between, then we can live in, you know, from the indie developers and the smaller developers that are going to jump on the, uh, you know, the app store and try to and try to benefit from just the success that Sony and the, and the PlayStation brand brings and being able to get their VR software out to one more market. Like that all makes sense to me from a third party company looking in being like, Hey, I got another, another, you know, storefront that is, a, that's proven and, and is, and is successful and has been for generations. So I'm going, I want to get over there and, and tap into that as well. So, you know, I think from that aspect, it'll there'll be plenty to choose from, but it does come down to that initial purchase, like you were saying, is if it's a thousand dollar investment. Now, for me, I already have a PS Five, so it's a you know, so now let's just say it's five hundred dollars, but I already have a Quest, and I go look at the library and I say, well, there's one game that I can't play. Is it worth five hundred dollars? Right. That's really what it, that's really what it comes down to from someone like me who already has VR access. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even consider the fact that in the time. So 
it it was crazy when I read this fact because it's making me feel ancient, and it reminds me of how long we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> the, the the PSVR came out in 2016, Grim. Yeah, that's six years ago. Yeah, it still feels like a new thing in my mind, but no, it's not. Like that's an entire life cycle of a console later like six years is a long time in the video game industry so yeah it's the right time for them to announce the successor of this but i in that time period really the oculus quest is the one i think we're we're really focusing in on because yeah. i know people that are casuals because again in the world of gaming and in in our community i'm the casual one right, right. my brother-in-law who hasn't played a video game since the nintendo 64 from california texts me one day he goes hey i just got an oculus what should i play on it and i was like what like so like there's people that are are jumping on that that technology and there's there's gamers like like us that, that play, you know, as a hobby, right? Like we're into it that have got the quest. So how, so how much of the market share has Sony lost with the shortcomings of the original PlayStation VR in the last six years? Oh, exactly. And I mean, and, and that just comes down to the fact of like, if you're looking at PSVR, it's six years old, right? In the, in the last six years, like you just said, how many different versions of Oculus, just Oculus has come out, right? I mean, we we literally like the quest. We're talking about the quest, but there was a there was a there was the Rift. There were multiple Rift headsets before the first Quest came out, and we're on Quest two, and we're just looking at Sony, and they're like, "Well, we you know we gave everyone six years to develop, to reduce cost, to 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 push this industry." And now we're going to release our second headset. And it's just like, you know, you think about any industry and you think of like, like I think of like cell phones, right? Like they release every year. Sometimes some companies release twice a year, right? And like if, and, and those companies that kind of fell behind, guess where they went? They disip, they, they aren't, they don't make phones anymore, right? Like that's how it works. You lose, you lose your part of the, you know, your percentage of the industry. Someone else gobbles it up and you're left to be like, well, hey, we have this $500 headset, but nobody wants it. Right. And my other concern is like these stats look really cool right now, but if it doesn't come out till 2023, 8K headsets are all, all eight, everything's going to be an 8K headset at that point. And then all of a sudden we're, we, you go back and look at this episode and go, oh, we were wrong because it took them forever to get the system, the device out. So they weren't actually state of the art. They were behind already. You know, and like that's, you know, so that's, that's the thing. Now you don't have to be state of the art because the Quest 2, if you don't hook it to a PC, can play a, almost every almost every game, uh, VR game, but it but it at a reduced graphical experience that is still enjoyable, and that's key, right? We talk about Nintendo Switch right now, where it's like it's not a powerhouse and and it can't do everything that the other ones can do, but it still has a fun factor to it. That's what the Quest uh, and Oculus has found. Is that's a found, really good comparison. Yeah. That's a really good. They found that within the VR world. And so, you know, um, these are all factors that we can't, you know, right now it's just us throwing scenarios around and we have no no actual evidence of what's going to happen. But it does, a lot of these scenarios raises concern for what Sony's trying to do here. Six, six years ago, when we looked at the PSVR, it was a standalone... Um, only VR option for console gamers. Like if if you were a PC gamer, great, you had options. But 
again with with the quest you don't have to be either to to right. play so it's not it's not like you're locked in there because prior six years ago you had to have a gaming pc to and honestly a decent one you know to be able to enjoy vr and that made that original playstation vr yes your your only other viable option because again almost everyone has owned a PlayStation four at some point. Like the sales numbers are great for, for the PS4. Right, it was right. a great generation for Sony. Um, so, you know, reasonably, if you wanted VR, you probably owned a PlayStation four. If you weren't a PC gamer and good, like you were able to access it. But now again, in the last six years, there's been other viable options that don't require a thousand or more dollar gaming PC. And uh, didn't we also have a mid-life revision of the PS VR that was really yeah. not like not even a half-step revision? It was more like a quarter-step revision, just a few small improvements. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was very small improvements. Um, you know, like it, it, very minimal. I have I have 2.0 or whatever you want to call it, and I had the original. Uh, sold the original and then ended up picking up a 2.0 later on. Not like I didn't sell it to to upgrade. It just just so happened that I ended up tr being able to try both. And though the improvements were decent, um, and one of the big things that the, the one of the big sells for me was <laughs> the original PSVR didn't allow um, the Pro came out right around the same time or whatever. Yeah, it didn't allow the pass through. Right, the the 4K pass through. It actually killed your 4K pass through, and then the 2.0 a lot. The box came standard with that. I don't believe they ever fixed the original with a firmware update to allow that pass through. So, like when you wanted to play your games at the you know that weren't VR at at their best, you actually had to unhook the VR system, which again I told you was was wires upon wires to to make it work in the first place. So, um, yeah, HDR throughput without um, yeah, SuperLars just confirmed with me uh, without unplugging the entire VR. Yeah, I remember that being a headache for you. Yeah, it was. It was like it, it, to me, it was just so dumb because like the Pro had just come out and then the VR came out shortly after, and I was like, how does this thing? How did you not plan on making sure that this was going to be compatible? So, anyways, I already sort of forgot about the PlayStation Four Pro. Like, I forgot that was a thing. Yeah. I didn't forget about the the Scorpio or the you know the X or whatever it was called. Yeah, One um, X. But yep. I did One X. I did forget about the PlayStation Four Pro. Yeah, I think you know for me the Pro just become just became the system. I forgot I forgot that it was a Pro because to me it was it was the standard. You just didn't buy a non-Pro because yeah. they just ran like poop. So, um, anyways. I think we I think we've made our point here and uh, and we can we can move on from this but you know PlayStation VR 2 spec wise does seem very impressive controllers do look pretty cool um I want you know I need, we need to know more about price and when their when their projected release window is to really understand if these specs are going to hold up or if it's coming out in a you know in a year and a half and all of a sudden these specs aren't as impress as impressive um and then of course how competitive are you within your industry, within the VR industry of, uh, of with your product, you know, like, yeah, you can make a really cool, you know, device, but if it's super expensive, you're, you're limiting, you're, you're limiting your, uh, your audience and your, your PS5 is already a difficult, not because it's, it's overpriced in my, you know, I think it's fairly priced, the PS5, it's just hard to find right now. So, you know, there's a lot 
working against Sony in the current window that we're that the vision that we have right now, it just seems like a mess. Um, which you know, by the time this thing comes out, could all be much improved. Agreed. So, oh, all right. Um, and the article that I was reading, I was pulling a lot of my data from uh, Kotaku, and I just got into like the comments, and there's there's just no one that's like. Uh, feeling this like so many people are are just are against it already um that's not a good that's not a good look either um for your device but again i think if they cut i mean sony could sony could spin this all around and turn it all around on us and and you know six months down the road or the end of the year whatever come around and say 299 and i'll be like yep i'm pre-ordering one you know like i i would be pre-ordering one in a heartbeat because i already have the ps5 and like i get i get uh, a horizon game right out the gate it's 299 i can enjoy stuff in 4k like i'd be all about it um you know i want to be optimistic about this because you know, Sony didn't give up on their VR aspect of their of their business, and they are bringing out a version two. Which I'll be honest with you, I I didn't want them to give up on their Vita or at least their handheld market. You know, because they did make an a really really impressive device that just didn't didn't fall into the market at the right time. The cost wasn't you know, and again, I guess. The Vita is a really good example of, hey, here's a really cool piece of tech that cost too much money and didn't sell well. But yet the DS, which was way more underpowered, did just fine. You know, and like that's that same example of the Quest right now versus this top spec device. So we'll see. We'd love to hear your comments. So make sure you're joining the Discord. And uh, hop on into the Gamezilla podcast channel and let's talk more about it. Are you excited for PSVR two? You know what are what are your outlooks on it? And uh, you know we can we can keep the conversation going in the Discord. But we did have one little extra news nugget. We're gonna call it. Oh, deep fried news nugget. Deep fried news nugget for you that Butterboy brought up. And um, because it's a smaller piece, we thought we would just we just fit it in here at the end of the show. I'll let you uh, run with this one. So go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, so there's been long rumored relationship uh, in the shadows uh, between Microsoft and Ubisoft. That's That's been the, the rumor for a long time. And everyone's like, ooh, ooh, are we going to be blessed? with the same treatment that uh, EA Play gave us uh, by that just being lumped into Game Pass, which again is honestly still mind-blowing value-wise here. Uh, It's been, what, uh, a year and a half that EA Play's just been part of Game Pass? Uh, So there was a long-standing rumor that maybe Ubisoft Plus, their subscription service that's on PC that gives you access to their full library of games or whatever would be hopefully getting the same treatment. Well, there was an announcement made this week that the latest uh, Rainbow Six game uh, that's coming out later this month is dropping on Game Pass Day 1, which got everyone all revved up and losing their mind, uh, thinking that this could be the the sign of, of the long-rumored relationship between Game Pass and Ubisoft Plus. But 
Uh, if you read the article, they they seem to really shy away from using the verbiage Ubisoft Plus joining Game Pass. They they never say that. Um, in in the they they talk about adding this game to Game Pass and there being more things to come in the future and that they're excited to bring Ubisoft Plus to Xbox. Yes, I was just about to say that. We'll be coming to Xbox in the future. So so again the, the the rumor was it would be part of Game Pass and if you read if you read the article and read the statement it it doesn't sound like that is the case. What I wonder and again this is speculation is uh could we see a, a couple different options. One, just a Ubisoft Plus standalone service at their full 15 or $20 a month. Microsoft doesn't have their paws in it at all. It's just they're allowing it to be on their platform, and I'm sure they'll take a royalty or whatever. Another option possibly could be, could we see an additional charge added to a Game Pass subscription? So similar to how you can get the Ubisoft uh, channel added to your Luna subscription for 12 bucks a month or whatever it is. Uh, could we see a potential add on to game pass? So where Ubisoft plus still lives in the game pass ecosystem, but it is an additional charge. That's a possibility. Or what I think is going to happen is a combination of game pass. We have now with Ubisoft plus being its own standalone service. I think we're occasionally going to see Ubisoft titles added to game pass to sort of continue to strengthen the relationship between the two companies, but Ubisoft plus still remaining its own subscription service. You can get completely separate of game pass, but from time to time, we may see day one drops on game pass from time to time. We may see some backlog. Like who knows? We might see an, an old Assassin's Creed game or old uh, splinter cell games, things like that added to uh, Game Pass just from time to time, just to keep the Ubisoft brand uh, in line with Xbox and keep it in players' mind. And again, we might see those, you know, we get bonuses every month, different deals. Like we can get Spotify for a dollar, you know, every once yeah. in a while as being Game Pass members. We may see different promotions trying to get us to subscribe to Ubisoft, but uh, th that's probably, I think, what we're going to see is the best case scenarios yep. from time to time. We just see Ubisoft games yeah. in our Game Pass. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in here because the reporting on uh, The Verge right now, uh, the, the article actually was updated and uh, it has been confirmed that Ubisoft Plus on Xbox will be a separate subscription from Game Pass is what uh, Ubisoft themselves are, have reported. So... Um, that the article actually was, was, uh, was edited here today. So, um, it's good that they made that clear because yeah. reading it, I could see where people got, got really, it. yeah. Well, cause yeah. I think the problem here too, for me is rainbow six extraction is what is, is the game that's coming to, uh, game pass. Uh, it comes out January 20th and people are, you know, are you're either a rainbow six fan or not, but some, there's plenty of people that are excited about it. Um, but the you know the the wording was very confusing and almost it's like misleading right you're you're almost it almost feels like you're trying to trick me in a way but the the tough part of, the tough sell for me on this ubisoft is i don't believe that your service is like just kicking ass right i i just can't believe that 15 dollars a month for ubisoft is is worth it when for that same price i get game pass which includes so much more. 
And so to me, if you're bringing Ubisoft Plus to Xbox, it ha- there has to be some Microsoft has to be making a deal with Ubisoft so that like, you know, ultimate maybe ultimate subscribers to Game Pass get get a deal, right? Instead of 14 it's 8, you know, or something like that. Um like there has to be some sort of break in order for me to even pay attention to this. Otherwise, I will never add this service to my subscriptions on my Xbox account. Never will. Don't care what you be like. It's just not worth fifteen dollars to me because because again, Game Pass has proven to me what my money's worth. You know, and yeah, so five, five bucks a month, and I you know, yeah. like, hey, if there's a new title I want to play, I'd throw five bucks out there. Yeah, as absolutely. Back library and some new games, and. Again, it's sort of now the stereotype about Xbox players is we don't buy things. You know what I mean? Like we're so hung up on Game Pass, but it's so great. Why wouldn't we we be hung up on it? And fifteen dollars a month, there's no way it's worth doubling what you're already paying for the Xbox services. To right. Ubi- yeah, that's that's my that's my whole point on this is that it's too expensive at full price. There's got to be some sort of hopefully deal made between the two companies where. You know, Xbox wants it on their platform, so maybe they're you know paying a, a a premium so that we get we can we can get a deal. You know, being an Xbox member type deal, uh, something like that going on. I don't know, but um, who who knows? Maybe this is Ubisoft. So I just talked about like the current stereotype, right? Is Xbox fans don't buy games? Okay, fine, we enjoy our Game Pass, but maybe Ubisoft has seen such a issue with their sales numbers on Xbox not being good enough, maybe this was a compromise that the company had to come to, like, hey, you need you need to find a way to get our subscription service on your platform because people aren't buying our games in your store. Like, it, yeah. it could be measures that both companies had to come to to continue to bolster the relationship. But here's the point blank biggest problem with Ubisoft Plus. And I don't want Ubisoft to listen to this. I don't want them to hear this because I don't want to ruin this for anybody. But if you buy a $60 Ubisoft game, you're out of your mind because literally <laughs> wait three and a half weeks and it's yeah. going to be $40 and wait nine weeks and it's going to be $25. Yep. Like Ubisoft cuts the price of their games so fast. Like the new Far Cry, when did that come out? October? Yeah. November? Yeah. There were, there were sales over the last month of that game for $25. That is a brand new title. That title is in its in its early stages of life and you could buy it for over 50% off. So why is someone going to pay $15 a month for a back library of games where any one of those games that you want to buy, wait one full cycle of the moon phases and you'll find (laughs) that game for a damn reasonable price and not have, and then you'll own a copy. Yeah. I mean, whether it's physical or digital, you can buy a copy of any Ubisoft game, new or old for $40 $40 or less. And a lot of them as low as $10. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think my other big point that I was going to make is EA play is part of game pass ultimate. Why is Ubisoft plus not like, like EA play is in my opinion, EA play is just as big, if not bigger than Ubisoft. When you, when you, you know, think of like, the franchises and the games you're getting through these two platforms and EA play is just added to game pass ultimate. Now, mind you, I said game pass ultimate, you have to be top tier of your game pass, but it's, but it's part of why, why can't Ubisoft do the same thing? Like Ubisoft plus is X amount of money by itself. Or if your game pass ultimate, it's, 
included or it's two, you know five bucks or two ninety nine or something like that Re- super reduced because like EA w- what deal did EA make with Xbox? There's a deal there. There's some sort of deal there that EA Play is is okay with being on Game Pass Ultimate, aka they're getting a kick of a percentage of that monthly payment for per user. So what is it? You know, and, um, and I I wonder if it's a matter of there's only so much pie, right? If if it's fifteen dollars a month out of every user, how much money are they giving EA? Is there is yeah. there the budget to to pay Ubisoft, or is it just a matter of like, hey, we made our bed here with EA, we're paying them X amount of money. There's just not enough money in the budget from subscriptions coming in to just pay Ubisoft to be in on it. Maybe, I mean. You know, I don't know that we have uh, how recent numbers we have for Game Pass, but I mean, some of the li- some of the last reported numbers that we actually did like pay attention to were, I mean, when you do the math, it was the money was ridiculous. So I mean, you know, I guess it depends on what Ubisoft maybe maybe they tried and Ubisoft wanted too much, you know, who or or who knows or you know what whatever the de- whatever caused it, but. I mean, we still don't know for sure until it all hits. Maybe there will be a discount. Maybe something will happen. But I think, I think if it just just if it comes out where you know we're getting this one game to Game Pass, the Rainbow Six Extraction, everything else is going to Ubisoft Plus, and it's going to be fifteen dollars a month, and you can lock that and you can sign up for it on your Xbox. I think six months down the road, six to eight months, we're going to see Ubisoft go. Oh well, if you have Game Pass Ultimate, we're included, or or at least a huge discount. Because I just because I don't see them just because they're on the Xbox. I don't see that many people signing up for this service. I just don't. Yeah, I wonder. I but and again, there is also the the possibility that Ubisoft might be perfectly happy with their with the way it's working on sure. PC. They might be perfectly happy with their sales numbers and they might just want this as another outlet to maybe make a few more dollars. Maybe they're not hoping that 5%, 10% of all Xbox users buy into this service. They, they That might not be their plan. Maybe if they're like, listen, if we can get a few hundred thousand people, like that's still more money that we had coming in. I I don't know if they're just looking at this as gravy or if they're looking at this as a legitimate business strategy, as we know, Microsoft looks at uh, their services as their bread and butter. You know, they're not worried about selling a $60 title copy of Halo at Target. They want you on Game Pass. Unless we know Ubisoft's heart is behind trying to convert people to their services over their purchasing their title standalone, then we won't really know um, how aggressive they'll be with this. Well, the and the other thing too to think about here is Ubisoft Plus doesn't even need, shouldn't exist in my opinion. <laughs> like that's really the thought I had is like it doesn't oh. it, should, it didn't didn't need to exist. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like this is the same thing that we're watching with streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and, and all, you know, and Paramount and Peacock and all these, all these different, everybody wants a piece of the pie, right? And it's getting oversaturated now to the point where, you know, we've watched some fail, we've watched, uh, some rebrand and try to try to change things around because it wasn't working. And now we're starting to see it happening in games now where Ubisoft's like, well, we have a lot of games, so we could have our own service. Like, no, you you probably shouldn't in my opinion like you probably shouldn't um i don't I, like i know people that play ubisoft games you know but i don't know anybody that's like 
an Ubisoft slappy, right? Like, like I know EA slappies because they're because they're obsessed with FIFA, they're obsessed with Madden or whatever, or whatever, or they're a Bioware fan or or whatever it is, right? And you know, and then like, and we can sit there and look at things like uh, Game Pass versus PS Plus or PS Now or whatever you want to call it, and all these things is like, well, yeah, they're all first party, so you know, and and they have they're trying to make it work with their first their first party studios, but like. I don't know, Ubisoft to me, you're like that one that I'm just like, get out of here. I have zero interest in you being a service. You, you could add it to to Game Pass Ultimate, and I'd be like, cool, thanks. Maybe I'll check out the division here and there. But other than that, like, you don't do anything for me. You just don't. Yeah, I mean, I have so, I've never played an Assassin's Creed game, and that's been something that's been in my mind a lot for I'll call it the last sixty days or so. Thinking like I, I'm looking at those those Assassin's Creed like ports on Switch, going that might be a fun game. Like play one of the really old Assassin's Creed games on Switch. I've played a little bit of Far Cry. Like they have a few series that are interesting to me, but not enough where I've even spent the ten dollars on, on a copy of a game to play it. So I haven't I haven't committed. Yeah, uh, but you- again. In on the service, or if it was a very minimal in price, I would I would pick it up to play some of these titles that I'm interested in. Um, you also need I- to think about, um, you know, we don't obviously we don't know the the contracts and the deals being made, but like for everybody that's like, oh well, uh, like Super Lars is like they're still losing money on Game Pass though, so cutting in another service would hurt them even more. Uh, Microsoft doesn't really need to add another service. Microsoft doesn't need to do anything. They they they're good in my opinion. Like like I don't want them I don't want them to be stagnant. I want them to continue to improve, but in, in my opinion they're above and beyond the expectations that I've had for this service already. But you know, when you think about one aspect another layer of gaming is okay, I'm going to give you my games because after, as as Butterboy said, after three to six months, my games have, you know, potentially half, if not less, value on, on, on the market. But if someone can download the game through Game Pass, what's the chances that they go pick up the DLC? What's the chances that they microtransaction some of the stuff that's available to them? Because every game has that now. What's the chances they pick up the battle pass or whatever it is that's built into that game? You know, that when you look at the grand scheme of what, how gaming has evolved and, and how the market, how the industry has evolved, money is in these, these add-ons. It's almost, it, it, I don't want to call it pure profit because you had to develop something and you had to add, you know, add content, but it's not the same as developing the entire game. And so, yeah. you know, like if your game's not being bought, Guess what's not also being bought? Any of the DLC, any of the microtransactions, any of it. But if your game's being played, how much money are you making off of that? And that's the that's that's an interesting you know scenario to be to think about when it comes to some of these games. Yeah, I you're you're absolutely right about that, and we've we've seen the economics of that sort of shakeout. And again, we know with EA Play. They 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 hold the uh, the latest Maddens, the latest Fifas, the latest NHLs off of the service for sure, eight, sure, eight twelve months, and then they give you know because again they they are trying to sell the latest and greatest and fine by them. I mean Microsoft is committed to giving us day one releases. Again, EA Play to me is just a bonus service. So you're absolutely right about like 
a great example is Jurassic World Evolution. I played all the way through it. Platinum did it on PlayStation. They threw it on Game Pass, and I was like, you know what? I never played the DLC for that. I'll go ahead and buy the DLC here on Xbox and give the whole game a full another run through. Like that's that's a situation where a game I already liked and I already paid and I've already paid for on the PlayStation, I decided to buy the DLC and keep playing because it was available on Game Pass. If it wasn't available on Game Pass, I don't know if I ever would have bought the DLC and went back to the game. Right. So they got another 20 bucks out of me because they put it on Game Pass. And again, I've, I've already bought a copy of their game. So they really double dipped on me, and that's not always going to be the situation. You can buy DLC for games you've never purchased, but it's going to happen from time to time. And again, with an old game, with something that the sales aren't going for, why not throw it on one of the services and see if you can just catch a few more fans out of it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is a really, I think, bad example because it's first party and it's very popular and, and it doesn't lose uh, value, in my opinion. But Forza Horizon 4 was a game I've I never bought. And I didn't play it until it was multiple years old. And then I went in and I bought every single piece of DLC and, and expansions that I possibly could. That's money that they would have never gotten if Forza Horizon 4 wasn't on Game Pass. And because of Forza Horizon 4, I did it all day one for Forza Horizon 5. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, other, that's the other advantage is someone that maybe never played a Division ends up enjoying Division 2 and, and, and beating, playing the shit out of it because it's on Game Pass. And then all of a sudden... The new division comes out and they're pre-ordering it and they're they're buying the premium edition and all that type of stuff. You know, you never know. So it's it's a lot of that type of stuff that uh, the layering that I, that you don't think about as much um, that that are, is in every single video game known to God now. And, and we're talking about Ubisoft here. We're not talking Nintendo, right? Because Nintendo doesn't do this. Nintendo does the opposite. Nintendo's like, are it's going to be. Every game we put out from day one to the day the system dies, it's going to be 60 bucks. <laughs> right. And we might once a year, twice a year, put those games on sale for $48. You know what I mean? Like Nintendo has been pretty staunch in that. We're, we're talking about Ubisoft again. They, they will, they will basically blow you to take their video game. After it's been <laughs> out for nine days. They're like, Oh, Oh, just take it. Just take it. You know? So again, you would think they'd be willing to, throw some in on the subscription service. So that's still back to my first point. That's still my hope. We're getting, we're getting the new, uh, uh, rainbow six day one on game pass. My hope is still from time to time. Now we're going to see some Ubisoft games, either new or old get peppered into our game pass subscription. And to me, that would still be a net positive play uh, as a, as an Xbox player. And as someone who would be in for Ubisoft, if you're going to get, make some of your games available on game pass, I think it's only going to strengthen your brand. Yeah. I, I, I could see that happening for sure. I think rainbow six extraction is a weird, it's a weird situation. Cause I'm, I'm kind of worried that it's like a half baked game. It's not technically the next like rainbow six. It's, it's like yeah. the, it's like the PVE version that, you know, people might enjoy, but I, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like Ubisoft looked at it and goes, well, we can't sell this. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, well, you, you, but... you want to you wanna have a fact that kind of plays into what you were just saying? Uh, I think it's only a $40 title. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's a full $60 title. So they know what they put together in that package is not a full title. Yeah. 
It's also coming out on Google Stadia, so I mean, it's dead on arrival. You mean it's the goat, the savior of the Stadia? Stadia and Luna. Dude, don't don't be talking bad about Luna. We know you're gonna get a Luna. Where nah. Super Lars? Didn't you say you were gonna buy him a Luna? Oh, if someone buys me a Luna, then I'll I will happily <laughs> I will happily accept it and give my full thoughts on it. I'm, they probably won't be positive though, but I will happily uh, make some content based around it. <clears throat> Luna Boy Graham. Oh boy. Anyways, uh, that wraps it up. We've uh, gone over our, our time here, so I'm um, glad we were able to fit that extra piece in. Again, hop in the Discord. Come chat with us in the Games Little Podcast channel. Talk about the PlayStation VR 2 and your thoughts on it, along with Ubisoft kind of jumping in to play nicely with Xbox, but in a weird, in a weird different way. Um, what are your thoughts on that as well? So we'll talk to you in the Discord and um, this is wrap. We're going to wrap up episode 360 of the Gamezilla podcast. We want to thank one more time our patrons. Thank you so much to our supporters at patreon.com slash Gamezilla Media. We appreciate you. And listen, regardless if you have the Red Ring of Death, if I have the Red Ring of Death, we are going to overheat and die together. And that's what matters. We're sticking together and we appreciate you. You clearly appreciate us by sending us. Uh, at least $1 per month as a patron. So thank you so much. And thank you for helping us start our 2021, right? And if you're listening to the show and you're not a patron, please consider joining our Patreon today. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. But uh, this is it. This is episode 360, our first episode of 2022. Like Butterboy said in the beginning of the episode, we have a lot of cool ideas and, and new aspects that we plan to bring to the show, to Patreon, and you know, and, uh, to our Discord, social media. So make sure you are following us everywhere uh, as we continue to rebuild and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, we, we took the show back to its core, and now we're trying to just kind of build it out the way that we want uh, as we move forward. So, and of course we always love your feedback in the discord. So let us know how we're doing. Let us know, you know, things that you've really enjoyed more. You know, we want more of this. We want less of that, you know, and uh, we'll go with it. Less of grim, more butter boy. I totally understand. So. I don't. I <laughs> All right, everybody. We appreciate you. Thank you again for hanging out with us on episode 360 of the games little podcast. We'll see you next week. And remember we are your elite free gaming news DLC and until next time game on game on <laughs> <laughs>